It is a, a frightening experience for a lot of people. Um, men, I think in particular, feel very embarrassed. They feel that they've let the family down. They should have been able to cope with it. I had one young mum that said, I can't believe I have had to come to a food bank when I'm working and I still can't support my child. Uh, lots and lots of emotions that go on and that of course the volunteers will pick up on and it can trigger similar emotions for them too. The voice you've just heard there is that of Sue Sibony King, manager of the Slough Food Bank. And like other food banks in the UK, they provide short-term emergency support in times of crisis. The aim is to relieve immediate pressure by providing food. But as you'll learn over the course of this podcast, that's not all they do. Slough Food Bank's main warehouse is positioned on the trading estate. I met Sue there before taking a drive over to one of the food bank's four distribution centres. Sue told me that over the previous weekend, food stocks had been dangerously low. One client wouldn't have had enough food to get a complete three-day food parcel, so he's rolled over to today and he will come in today to, to Slough to pick up his food. But rather than send him away with nothing, he was given enough to just last him for the weekend. And is this a pattern uh, that you see developing more and more? This year we've already seen a 25% increase on the first nine months of last year. So it's a bit of a worrying, possibly, trend. Um, And we are seeing that we are running short of food. In all the years, nearly eight years that I've been managing Slough Food Bank, I've only shopped for food twice until recently. And I've had to do three food shops in the last two months. Um, So with numbers increasing, And it appears that possibly, although I haven't checked the stats yet, possibly donations might be down. There's a lot of fear at the moment in the country with Brexit. Maybe people are stockpiling, maybe people are saving, not donating as much because they're afraid that they might be short themselves. And so with the two aspects of less donations and more people using us, we're finding that we are seeing shortages. The food bank that Sue took me to was in Slough Baptist Church on Windsor Road. About half a dozen clients were there receiving food parcels from a group of volunteers. In a moment, we'll hear from one of those volunteers. But what about the clients themselves? How valuable do they find the service? Um, truthfully, I probably wouldn't really have anywhere else to turn to. Because if, if it weren't for this, then I'll be stuck. I'll be having trouble. So keeps me for about a few weeks fed, so I don't mind. What would you say to people who may be considering uh, donating food to the food bank? Well, I feel, I feel blessed and I feel very helpful that they are doing that to help people like us lot do this. Keeps us, obviously, keeps us out of trouble because obviously if otherwise you go and do dumb stuff. So yeah, I'm quite thankful for what they do. And the volunteers who work here as well, what are they like, how welcoming? They're, they're, they're brilliant, that's brilliant what they do. I mean, they don't have to do it, but they like to, they like to help out and I really do appreciate what they do. I mean, they're all friendly, they're all kind, they're not like they're being like, giving you attitude or being sarcastic. They're here to help you get back on your feet. I'm Eleanor and I'm one of the volunteers at Slough Food Bank. It sounds a strange thing to say, yes, I enjoy it, because that sounds as though you're wallowing in somebody else's misery, which you're not. But it's interesting to meet people and talk to people. And yes, sometimes you can feel you've done a little bit to help. On a purely practical level, what are the kind of things that go into uh, the food parcels? 
Um, we have a standard list which includes things like pasta, rice, tinned vegetables, tinned fruit, um, rice pudding or custard, soup, um, but also toiletries, so um, toothpaste, deodorants, um, shower gel, shampoo, all the things that perhaps if you can't afford food, you haven't got the money to buy those either. So things that just make you feel a bit more civilised. And there will be people who come into the food banks with very young children, with babies, and you mm -hmm. cater for that as well, don't you? We do as far as we can. Unfortunately, we don't always have enough baby food. And that's often the time when people do come in, because obviously a new baby is a huge financial upset, for want of a better word. You know, it does make great demands. People perhaps aren't working, who were working. They've had to buy things for the baby or sourcing for the baby and that might be a place where we would try to um, point them in another direction you know there's a baby bank for example in Windsor who might be able to help social services might have other ideas other agencies and so on but yes sometimes you just think I don't know what I can do. Now, you heard Eleanor there talk about an occasional feeling of hopelessness. I asked manager Sue Sibony-King if the work can take an emotional toll on the volunteers. Um, when you see a client breaking down uh, or you hear of terrible stories of what they've been through that have brought them to the food bank, like family breakdown, homelessness, addictions, poverty and that's just one client, uh, it's hard to take, it's hard to listen to. We do go through that in the training that the volunteers undertake and they can always speak to the coordinator on duty that day. They can always contact me if it comes up later for them so that they can get it off their chest. Most of them manage to deal with it just by speaking to the rest of the group and, and they can just release those feelings but I think the first few times you come, it is a little bit of a shock and some have commented that it's a little bit hard to bear. You don't toughen up against it, but you just become more able to cope with it. And because we hear the similar stories so many times, you are able to deal with it and better signpost that client to somewhere that they can get further support. And when clients do come here, I guess particularly for the first time, it isn't necessarily an easy decision for them to have made or they may be in a place that they never thought they'd have to be in. It is a, a frightening experience for a lot of people. Um, men, I think in particular, feel very embarrassed. They feel that they've let the family down. They should have been able to cope with it. I had one young mum that said, I can't believe I have had to come to a food bank when I'm working and I still can't support my child. And she was tearful. So it, it's um, an emotional, in many ways, not just that they feel very humbled, but also there's a lot of anger, anger at themselves, anger at the system that has failed them and put them into that situation. Uh, lots and lots of emotions that go on and that of course the volunteers will pick up on and it can trigger similar emotions for them too. And sometimes for some people that gap between not needing the food bank and needing the food bank it can be it can be a very very thin indeed it could be just hanging on a thread and they may not necessarily realize that. People can only survive one month some people say one month some people say three um, 
they're three months away from needing a food bank if they were suddenly without their salary or their regular income. And one of the things a lot of people will say is, uh, oh, that person clearly doesn't need it. They've got beautiful clothes, nice handbag, good shoes, etc., etc. But you don't suddenly lose everything that you've built up in life. You have a crisis that suddenly means you've got no income, no, nothing to buy food, nothing to support yourself, but you can still make the effort and try to look as if you don't need a food bank, even though you do. A lot of clients feel very embarrassed that they have had to come to a food bank. And when they express that, I often tell them the story of a, of a lady who was very kindly donating in the Asda store when we were doing a collection. Firstly, she put in a whole bag of shopping, not just one or two cans, followed by a second bag. On the third bag, I was just blown away and thanked her profusely. And she said, no, listen, you never know what's around the corner. While I can, I want to do this because maybe one day I'll need to be getting it back from the food bank. And I think that encourages our clients to feel that it can happen to anybody at any time and the food that we have is there for anyone that needs it at that time of crisis. Seagrove, Sloud Trading Estate itself then, um, they help you out quite a big deal as well, don't they? Without Seagrove, I just don't know where we would be. Many years ago, before I started, we were given premises to use, a warehouse with an office upstairs. We just had a few boxes in it. Within a year, we had racking and piled high with food donations, a real proper working warehouse. And Seagrow have supported us now for over six years, um, rent-free, a warehouse premises with an office attached. Without that, it would be extremely difficult or very expensive. There are many food banks that have to pay for their premises. Um, that means that they're constantly searching for grants, searching for financial support. We don't have so much of that headache because of Seagro's generosity. They've just been absolutely amazing in their support going on for so many years. Without them, I just don't know what we could have done. Sue Sibony King, manager of Slough Food Bank. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. To make sure you get all episodes automatically downloaded to your device, then remember to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use. And if you want to find out more about what's going on here or indeed why your business should be basing itself at Slough Trading Estate, then go to the ste.segro.com website. For now, though, it's goodbye.